Hey, this is Kerwin Santiago, pastor of Social Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I pray that this message blesses you and helps you grow in your faith to become more like Jesus. I hope you guys have been receiving something, you know. Um, and surprisingly, maybe not for you, but for me, we're still in the Beatitudes in the second Beatitude. You know, we started this series in chapter 5 on the whole Sermon on the Mount, which the whole Sermon on the Mount, just to recap and just so you know where we're at in context, the whole Sermon on the Mount is from chapter 5 all the way to chapter 7. And we're still in chapter 5 verse 4. Basically the beginning. And we're still in our second beatitude, which are the characteristics or the descriptions that Jesus gives of those that belong to the kingdom of God. And the first one, as you know, was the poor in spirit. The second one is those who mourn. And last week I began to talk about those who mourn. And I don't know, where it, how many were here last week? How many, how many of you received something from that? And listen, can I tell you something? I, and I just want to say this right now. Because I know that my message last week was maybe a little harsh. You know, I, sometimes I get up here and when I'm speaking, I feel like I'm talking to people who are privileged. And I think we are. And I think I am for the most part. Talking to people that are privileged. Meaning that they're well off. Can, can I get an amen? So when I talk to you about the poor in spirit and about those who mourn, I speak to you about those not as if you are that. Because I know for the most part we are not in that. We're privileged. Right? We're well off. So when I speak to you about these things, I kind of like, talk to you as those that are privileged and I challenge you and it might seem a little harsh because I'm trying to get you to change your mentality about the way we read scripture about the way we interpret scripture about the way we see ourselves because listen if I was to go ahead and preach to you for instance about blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted and I came up here and I said you know, blessed are you when you're going through your situations and your problems. Listen, because you will be comforted. Comfort is coming. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If I did that, if I did that, I would not be preaching a message on countercultural. In fact, I would not be countercultural. In fact, my message would be more of the same that you can get anywhere on the internet, anywhere on your phone, anywhere on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. You can hear, you want to hear that message, you can find it wherever you want. But I feel like my mission is to challenge you to see scripture in light of what it is, in its simplicity, and the way it's written. And maybe it's going to stir you up, and I hope it does. Maybe it's going to challenge you, and I hope it does. And maybe it might not make you feel good when you leave here, but if it makes you feel uncomfortable, I've done my job. And so forgive me if I get passionate at times when I'm speaking of these things. And sometimes I might 
when I get passionate, I look angry. You know what I'm saying? I look like I'm, I'm so intense in it that I'm, I'm going at it. And you might think like I'm scolding you like a dad or a mom, you know, just, you know, coming at you for something that you did wrong. But please don't take it that way. I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to help us. I'm in the same boat. I'm trying to help us. I'm trying to help us in managing and dealing with all the complexities of life as it is. Because life is not easy. Life is not just black and white. There's gray. Life is hard. And we struggle in trying to make sense of this. And so I hope that through our reading of scripture and these messages that we're able to struggle with all these issues together. And even if we don't come to a conclusion where we're like, yes, that's the answer I needed, that we at least raise questions to continue the conversation. Amen? Amen, somebody. Good. So today I'm going to do part two of those that mourn. We're going to stay in those that mourn. And if you did not hear last week's message, I suggest that you go and download our podcast and you hear all the messages. Go, in fact, and listen to it because I laid the foundation. Um, and I know that I spoke of those that mourn. And real briefly, for those of you that weren't here, I'm going to tell you in a very summarized way what those that mourn or who those that mourn are. Those that mourn are those that suffer. And those who love those that suffer. Now again, when we speak of a message that is countercultural, Jesus is saying, favored are those by God. Favored by God are those who are suffering. That does not make sense. Because for us, if you're suffering, it could be the result of you having done something wrong. Maybe you're suffering because you were a fool and you made bad decisions. Maybe you're suffering because you're in sin. But either way we look at it, we normally don't see those who are suffering as having God's favor on their lives. We, for instance, we don't want to be part of those that suffer. We don't want to be those that are suffering. And when we talk about this, the reality is that we have to do something that is common and prevalent within our culture. And it is that we develop a language of faith. Let me put it that way. We develop a language of faith. For instance, when it comes to our worship, in the way that we relate to God, we have to take one of two stances. Number one, we're either in relationship to a God who is all-powerful, who is sovereign, can do all things, nothing is impossible for him, he's in control of all things, and if that's the God I serve, then I can't question him. When I go through difficulties, because he is all-powerful, he is all-wise, he is all-knowing. In other words, he's greater, bigger than I am and ever will be, and therefore, who am I, little one, to even dare 
question the things that are happening in my life. So our language based on that relationship within our worship becomes then, God, I will praise you no matter what I'm going through. God, I will exalt you no matter what is happening. This is the language of the praise psalms. There are psalms within the book of Psalms. They are songs of praise. They are prayers that reveal to us a language, in some cases, of people who are privileged and they are well off. The Psalms, for instance, the Psalm, Psalm 30, verse 6 and 7. Psalm 30. I'm going to show you an example of this. Verse 6 and 7 says, when I felt secure, listen to the language, when I felt secure, who is speaking? Someone who is in a place of security. They're well off, right? Most likely they are privileged. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. So the language of worship for those that are well off and are privileged and for whom things are good. Can I get an amen? Things are good. Right? We might have trouble, but it's just simply that somebody's gossiping about me. Come on. That's my hardest problem right now. The gossip going around. It's not that I'm living in the street. It's not that I, don't, I can't and I don't know how I'm going to pay for my mortgage. It's not that I don't know where my next meal is coming from. That's not my problem. It's not that I'm being oppressed. It's not that I'm a slave. It's not that I'm living in poverty. My problem is somebody's talking about me and I don't like that. That's my biggest issue in my spirituality. And for most of us, when we consider our problems, we have to admit they're really not problems. We call them problems because we're privileged. It's like a rich person complaining that the silver plate they're eating on is a little bit dirty. It's not really a problem, but I'm just used to having it clean all the time. So when it's a little dirty, then I'll go on a rant and I'll complain about it and make a big issue about it. And my day is horrible. My day is the worst because I'm going through something that I should not be going through. People in places and positions of privilege and that are well off can afford to complain about little things. Can I get an amen? I just want to know that you guys are hearing me and I'm saying something today. So when you hear the language of these psalms of praise, the question is, who is the one speaking this way? Who are the ones praising from this position? And the answer to that is that they are people of privilege and that are well off. Because the poor and the oppressed, the ones that are facing injustice in their life, are certainly not saying that. They are not saying, when I felt secure, because they're not secure, number one. 
I said, I will never be shaken. Their language is not that of positivism, which is the language of our culture. And so when I speak to you of these things about the poor in spirit and about those who mourn as being part of the kingdom of God, I'm speaking to you of a message that is definitely counterculture. Because, listen, in our culture today and in our churches today, there is no room for a language other than that one right up there. On the that is what our worship consists of. It's this language of, I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. God, I worship you. All things are fine. That's our, that's our language. That's our mentality. The only ones that can speak that way are those that are privileged and well off. Hmm. I'm going to let that sit for a little bit. In this sense, these songs, they express gratitude to God because of a blessed and a happy life. Listen. They express gratitude to God because of a blessed and a happy life. That's what we have. Can I get an amen? And so the psalmist goes on in the first part of verse 7. Lord, when you, what, favored me. You made my royal mountain stand firm. Let's leave it right there. That's the language and the worship of those that are in positions of privilege and are well off. Can you, can you at least say amen to this, dear reader? That this is mostly our worship in our language. That when we come to church, it's all about, come on, praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor. Give him a smile. Tell him everything is good. Right? When we worship our songs mainly, and this is not a critique on our worship or anybody. We're just, we're part of a culture in which this is what everybody does. But our songs consist of this language. We are victorious. We are more than conquerors. God, you are firm and I stand firm, right? The language is mostly positive language. Can I get an amen? You guys are quiet and you're scaring me. But listen, can I tell you this? Within this culture in which we are people that are well off and privileged, Life is experienced as a protected space. We don't want to infect our experience of life with negativity. We don't want anybody to come in and talk to us about a language that will mess up my positive thinking. In fact, listen, I've grown up in this you're not allowed within this culture to express anything that is not positive. 
Because if you do, you're either looked down upon or people will try and stay away from you because they don't want to be infected. Those people are called toxic. They're toxic. Don't get close to them. Don't come to me. They're negative. I don't want to hear any of that. We don't have that space. So as those that are privileged and well off, we protect our space by using this language of the praise songs that express our gratitude to God because of the blessings that we have received. So life is experienced in this space of everything being orderly, of everything being perfect, of everything being good. And any other thing that is contrary to that language, we say, shut up to. Don't talk about it. We don't want to hear it. There's no space for that here. You see, there's no room for chaos. There's no room for messiness. This is what a scholar calls creation faith. Or high faith. In other words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the world was void. And there was darkness. Right? In other words, there, there was chaos. But then, the spirit of the Lord hovered above the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And order came. And so, our faith has adopted a language of creation that is orderly in place. God speaks, and so therefore it is. So if I speak those things, then things will also remain orderly. Because I don't want chaos. I don't want darkness. I don't want trouble. I don't even, even if it's there, I don't want to acknowledge it. And I don't want to recognize it. So what do I do? I have to speak things into existence. Even if it doesn't really come into existence, at least I'll make believe like they did. At least I'll live like they are. So even when we're going through trouble, and even when our life is chaotic, we're still going around saying, God is good. Everything is perfect. Like the Lego song, everything is awesome. And you know, thinking about this, I said, this is, this could be a worship song. Everything is awesome. Could be a worship song. And I'll bet you that if we sang it in one of our sets, nobody would be able to tell that it wasn't a Christian song. Because as long as it's positive, as long as it negates the reality of things and speaks positively, then man, let's use it. Because that's, that's where we live. That's who we are. So the song says, everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. And I think this is a sarcastic song, to be honest with you. Everything is awesome when we're living our dream. Everything is better when we stick together, side by side, you and I, going to win forever. 
let's party forever. We're the same. I'm like you. You're like me. We're all working in harmony. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool. When you're part of a team, everything is awesome. When you're living or dreaming, just right there. If you've ever been part of any team, you know everything is not awesome. You know everything is not in harmony. But this is our mentality, though. This is our language. Have you ever heard this as the song goes? Have you ever heard the news? Everyone's talking. Life is good because everything is awesome. I lost my job. It's a new opportunity. You see, so we even see these things. I lose my job, and I, I'm not even given a chance to complain about it. I can't even cry about it. No, you can't look at it as a bad thing. Hey, it's a new opportunity. That's the way you should look at it. Listen, I lost my job. It's a new opportunity. More free time for my awesome community. I feel more awesome than an awesome opossum. Dip my body in chocolate frosting. Three years later, washed out the frosting. Smelling like a blossom, everything is awesome. Step in mud. Got new brown shoes. It's awesome to win and it's awesome to lose. It's awesome to lose. That's our language. And that's the language of those that are living a life of privilege and are well off. We can get away with doing that. We can get away with acting like everything is okay. You see, but my question to you then is, what do we do? With the Psalms and the parts of the Bible that don't speak that language. What do we do when life is not awesome? What do we do when we've gotten to a place in our lives where we can no longer maintain a language of positivism. But we have to acknowledge and admit the wrong in life. The bad. The evil. What do we do? Honestly, I don't know. We don't know what to do. Because our language is if life gives you lemons, what if I don't want to make lemonade? What if life gives me lemons? And all I want to do is tell God, God, this is not what I asked for. I wanted an orange or a banana, not a lemon. We're not given an opportunity to complain. There, there does not exist within Christianity and the church a complaint department. We haven't given people the opportunity to be able to express in a language and communicate their frustrations, their disappointments with church, with faith, with life, with God. Because to do that is disrespectful. 
And so what do we do if we are not given that opportunity? If we are not given that language? If we are not given that space to be able to come to God and communicate those things? What do we do when we go through hard things that we can't explain away? What do we do? We leave the church. We leave the faith. We backslide. Because listen, I can't complain in church. So if something is wrong, things are not right, then what do I do? I can't go to God. That's disrespectful. I just leave altogether and I try and forget about God. But can I suggest to you this morning that our Bible and our God does give us an opportunity to be able to come to him with our frustrations and with our disappointments and with our complaints. We are allowed to come to him and say to God, God, I got lemons, but this is not what I asked for. Our Bible tells us that we as Christians do have the place and the opportunity to go to God and tell him, God, I got lemons and this is not what you promised. In a way, I'm allowed to come to God. And can I say it this way without you taking it as disrespectful? I can come to God and throw it in his face. tell them, God, this injustice I'm going through, this is not who you are. This is not what you promised. You are for justice. So why am I experiencing it? We're alive. And in that sense, we get the Psalms of lament in the Bible. Psalm 30, verse 7 to 10. After we get past verse 6 and the first part of 7, after you made me royal, a royal mountain to stand firm, positive language, language of praise. But now listen to what it says in the second part of verse 7. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. Where's that language in our worship? Where is that language in our faith? To you, verse 8, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gain if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? In other words, here, this person now is throwing it in God's face. God, if you don't do something about my situation. Listen, the one that stands to lose something, and this is you, not me. Because I'm a believer. And your reputation is at stake. Verse 10. Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my It's a language of mourning. It's a language of lament. It's a language of complaint. It's a language of looking at life in its totality and in its reality. And saying to God when I come to him in prayer and worship, God, you need to do something about it. This ain't right. It's okay to be able to be 
why Jesus says, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. In other words, those that mourn, those that have this language, those that are suffering, I'm going to tell you, they are also part of the kingdom. I believe that many of us have a language of privilege and speak, I'm sorry, from a, lang from a place of privilege and being well off. We speak a language of praise and we speak a language of positivism and we come to church and everything is good and everything is awesome. But it's not because our faith in the hope of what is to come is so great, even though that would that our faith was so strong that we would have these nevertheless languages and attitudes. Doesn't matter what comes like Habakkuk. No, it doesn't matter what comes. Even if my refrigerator is empty, I have no food to eat. God, I will praise you no matter what. That's great faith. Good for you if you have that. But I, I, can I tell you that I believe that most people, when they speak that language of praise, of positivism, don't speak it from a place of great faith. They speak it from a place of fear. They're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid to feel anxiety. They're afraid to experience chaos. They're afraid to experience pain. And therefore, they protect themselves with this language. Not because they're great men and women of faith, but because they're afraid of pain, of facing reality, of acknowledging the truth. And so they hide within this language of triumph and praise. And everything is awesome. And God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Because they're afraid. We live in a culture where we don't like pain. We have painkillers for everything. The moment that you feel a little pain ache somewhere, you take, you pop two pills, and you're good. We don't like pain. And so that's why when we come to God and we come to faith, we come to the word, we just read the parts that we like that will make us feel good, that will help us maintain a language of triumph and victory and power, and we are victorious no matter what happens, we're good. But when we do that, we become people who live in denial. We become a church that is isolated from the real world. We become distant from the problems that are going on. We don't tackle issues and face them like we should because we've closed ourselves up in this bubble where everything is awesome. But can I burst your bubble this morning? Can I burst your bubble this morning? It doesn't mean that we can't have a language of praise. It doesn't mean that we can't have a language of positivism, of hope. That one day, yes, one day, every tear will be wiped away. And all suffering will be done away with. 
and the last enemy, death will be defeated. But that's not yet. Even though that might be your experience right now from your position of privilege and being well off. That is not everybody's experience. Wake up. Smell the coffee. We live in a world in which there's evil and sin. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So it's okay. Can I tell you this morning, it's okay to cry. It's okay to complain. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be disappointed with issues in life and marriage and in relationships and in your faith and at work and with the mistreatment of people and with the way things are in the world. Man, all you got to do, man, if we want to burst that bubble, just open up your news feed. Come on, come on and tell me, man, that we live in a good, perfect world. Open up the news feed. And you're bombarded with news about this person was killed by the mother or the son disappeared, never found. Or break the bubble. Because when we do, when we break out of denial and we acknowledge the reality, the pain, the sin, and the suffering of the world, then we are moved in compassion to do something for those in need. Then we're moved in compassion to get on our knees and pray, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. But it's not until we get out of denial that we'll become compassionate about the suffering and the evil and the sin taking place in the world and in our lives. As long as we live in denial and we live in this bubble of positivism and everything praise, we will never be able to move, to be able to make a difference in our community and in our world. So I challenge you today to understand that Jesus said, blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Doesn't mean that all of a sudden they're going to get a little, you know, pat on the back and told everything's going to be okay and all of a sudden everything is okay. No, it's not. It means that one day, Jesus will return. It hasn't happened yet, but he will. And when he does, we will receive our comfort, church. Everything will be awesome. Everything will be all right. But it's when he returns. Meanwhile, we live in the space between things being good at times and things not being great at times. We live in a messy world. We live in a complicated, chaotic world. We are not of this world. Our king is coming one day. So it's okay to mourn, to lament, to cry, and to cry with those that cry. Now, over the suffering and the pain and the evil and the sin. Because we know things are not good. But one day, in the near future, God's going to turn it around. 
That's what I believe. And that's what you should believe. So it's okay right now to cry over your rebellious children. Cry over your broken relationship. Cry over the poverty in the world. Cry over the violence in our nations. Cry over the injustice that is happening in our community. Cry over those that are homeless and are hungry. It's okay to cry. we come together as a community of Christ and we say God let us be your hands let us be your feet let us be the ones that will make a difference so that your kingdom will be established stand to your feet this morning this is a moment of confession then just confess to God your sins right now, you're not perfect, I'm not perfect none of us are perfect so we come to God and we confess our brokenness our failures we acknowledge them and we tell you God this morning we need you more than ever before, we need you in our lives today we need you in our city, in our community, in our county. We need you in our schools. We need you in our homes. We need you in our neighborhoods. We need you in our lives. God, we need you. Help us. Help us, Lord. Have mercy. Have mercy on us. Praise the Lord. Can you give God a clap offering it doesn't have to be a happy one and can you turn to someone and tell them it's okay to not be okay Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those who give. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, please subscribe, share, take a screenshot, tag us, and I'll see you next time.